Anyway, I do have a great message, I believe, tonight. We'll probably teach this over the next, maybe the next couple of weeks. We'll see. I probably won't get through all these notes tonight. But I want you to turn, if you've got your Bibles, to, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. And, uh, and uh, I, I want to begin here. And I, I was just really stirred in rereading this. It's a new Bible. And I had never underlined this. I, was, I had just gone to this, written this scripture down to go there. And I hadn't actually turned to it in this Bible. Um, but uh, it's one of my favorite scriptures, uh, <laughs> one of a lot of favorite scriptures. I don't know how I narrow it down to just a handful. There's a lot that I love. But this is one that, that I really made as, as my prayer when I first began in ministry. I, I, I said, God, give me the eyes that Jesus had to see the crowd, to see the people with, uh, with eyes of compassion. Because one of the things that, that motivated Jesus in what he did was his love for people, his compassion. And I know in ministry, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes when you deal with people. Uh, you know, we, we kind of have a, a, a joke that we say. It's, we're not serious, but we say, man, ministry would be easy if it wasn't for the people. Okay, right. you know, I was waiting for a little bit of response. I mean, some of y'all are a little bit sleepy. I know it's kind of, kind of quiet and still in here tonight, but, but I, I, I want you to realize, but it's true because sometimes it, it gets heavy and it's burdensome because of the people, not because the people are bad, but because you hear about everything. Or most things you you handle and are are holding up all of the people, and so it, it gets to be a weight and it gets to be a, a burden. And sometimes, if you're not careful, after dealing with people for a long time, you can become cynical. And I refuse to do that. And, you know, I've guarded myself against that. Even though you know there were times when people did or said things that were hurtful or harmful, and I don't have a lot of that. I'm very blessed. God's God's been very good and gracious. We have wonderful people, but you know, it just happens. And it happens in your life, it happens in our lives. And, uh, but when we have something on the inside that we rely on, which is God's love, it is a supernatural love. You've got to remember, we have the Holy Spirit we, when we're born again on the inside of us. That means we have a, a love that the world doesn't have. We have a, 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 a something, when we sing that song, I got love like the ocean, man, it's like... I mean, can you really measure the ocean? You might measure the surface, but you couldn't measure the depths, and you couldn't measure all the time. I mean, there's places where it's just miles and miles deep. Isn't it amazing how that is? You know, it's, it, that's the, a good comparison to the love of God, because, and His love is unconditional. That's what's amazing. That's what's incredible. It's unconditional. It's not measured by what we do or what we say. It's simply just there for us, and, and it's amazing. And that was what Jesus, he was moved with compassion. But, but I want to read the rest of this because it really struck me as I was sitting there uh, just before it came up. It says, he, he, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, there's times when you see people say or do things, and I'm sure you're like me. You're like... Oh, man, I wish, I, I wish you could understand. I wish you could, could grasp what God has for you. They're lost, and they're confused, and they're helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. But notice he says in verse 37, he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, 
In other words, there's a great harvest out here, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. And that was one of the things that God says doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with my message, really. But it's something that we want to pray for for 2024. It's something that I'm praying for is more workers, laborers, people to go into the fields to, to bring in that harvest and to contain and take care of what we have. There's always things to do. There's always things to be done. And uh, so it's important. But I wanted you to see that Jesus' ministry was for a fallen world. We've got to understand that. It, it, he was moved with compassion on them, not judging them, but, but he said they're, they're confused and they're helpless. They're hopeless. They're fallen. And that's what Jesus came to fix was what was broken. You know, Jesus was willing to live a life as a man and experience what we experienced also. It's pretty incredible to see that. And let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to read a little bit over here and take some time. Uh, this, is a, this is a pretty interesting verse, kind of deep, kind of got a lot to it. We probably won't take it all apart tonight, uh, everything that's in these verses. But I want us to see a few uh, scriptures out of this and, and uh, kind of bring the context of, of what I'm teaching on because I titled this, and I don't think I told you the title, I, t I titled this Dealing with Temptation. You know, it's, it's don't just think about temptation as a temptation to sin. There's also temptation to give up, temptation to take shortcuts, temptation to doubt, Temptation to trust in yourself more than God. Temptation to, to hold back in fear rather than reach out and trust God. You know, that's one of the things I was ministering to this young man, I, and I wasn't talking to him, it was just through a text, and I haven't heard back his response yet. But I typed that, that text out to say, look, I know where you're at. I've been there. You're wondering how God's going to supply. You're wondering where the finances are going to come into. This, this young couple is in full-time ministry, and they're just trusting God. And, and they are having to trust God. And I told him, I said, you, you have to learn to trust God beyond what is your paycheck, beyond what your resources are, your normal stream of income, because God is not limited. See, our temptation gets to be we put God in this, in this limitation of what we can believe for. We can look at what we see with our eyes and say, well, that's as good as it gets. Or we come at it from, a, from an anticipation of God doing something great. You know, I, I, I talked about it a few weeks ago, maybe a month or more ago, but there's times that people are, are really good at prophesying the negative. They can tell you everything's going to go wrong, and, and they hope they're wrong, but if they're not, they can be happy because I told you so. Well, listen, I live with an expectation. I don't expect things to be bad. I expect things to be good. I was kidding my youngest daughter about that. She was talking about something was tough and was, wasn't going good, or, you know, she was kind of not really bad, just complaining a little bit. And I said, hey, you set your expectation like me. My, jelly, my toast falls jelly side up. Remember my story? You see, we want to expect things to fall to, to our good. They don't always, but even when they don't, God has a, a response. They didn't, didn't surprise God when the, when the car broke down. He was planning a solution, planning a way. Are we going to have an expectation of thank you, Lord, or are we going to gripe and complain because we had to turn loose of some money? I mean, God will supply in all these different ways. 
Well, listen, in this verse number uh, 15, I want you to see here, uh, this high priest, he's talking about Jesus. Let's back up to verse 14. So then, since we have a high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. So right there, he tells you, hold firmly to what you believe. Don't be knocked off of, don't be tempted to give up part of what you believe just because it hasn't happened quickly, just because you prayed over and over and you hadn't seen results, just because you can't see how God would do it. That was part of the story of, of, of uh, Mary and Elizabeth and the conception of John the Baptist and Jesus. It was like, how in the world can this happen? There's no way. And, and that's why Zechariah had to be deaf and dumb for the nine months until his baby D John came, right? It would probably help some to be deaf and dumb for a period of time. That's another little joke. Y'all aren't getting it tonight. Y'all need to wake up and stay with me. But it would be good if we couldn't speak and we couldn't hear any negative sometimes. When we set our faith, we ought to believe God. And the temptation is to look only at the natural instead of looking to our God who says there's nothing impossible. Remember Luke 1:27? Nothing is impossible with God. That's what Mary held in her heart. I don't know how all this is going to happen, but God's going to take care of it. Now, uh, let's read on in verse 15. It says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of these same tests, testings we do, yet he did not sin. You've got to understand, Jesus didn't sin, but he faced what we face. He dealt with what we deal with. And he demonstrated or he shows us a way to deal with and to overcome temptation. Temptation to sin, temptation to quit, temptation to doubt, temptation to give them a piece of your mind, temptation to hold bitterness and resentment, temptation to do all that stuff. See, because that's what the devil loves to do. He loves to get us to, to doing less than what God says to do. Because if he can get us in a little bit of disobedience, he begins to chip away at our blessing. He, can he begins to chip away at the provision that God has for us. God's trying to get you in the right place at the right time with the blessing. And we sometimes are, are, are putting ourselves in a bad place. We need to trust God and not allow ourselves to be led away by, these, by the things that tempt us to, to take the easy route. You see, he identifies with our struggle. Even though he, he totally conquered the temptations, he did demonstrate to us how to be victorious in all areas of life. Verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find his grace to help us when we need it most, when, in time of need, the King James says. I love that. Let's come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you come boldly to God? Do you come boldly to the throne of grace, or do you kind of back in with your head ducked? You ought to come boldly to the throne of grace. You ought to come boldly to God because Jesus understands our weaknesses. Yes, he overcame them, but he also understands how difficult they are. But he's just going, we just need his help in time of need, and we obviously need his grace. And because of his grace, we can come into his presence. Because we're fallen beings, we're just humans, we don't have the ability in ourselves, but it is in Him. Let's, let's back up to verse 8 here, and let's read the verses above what we just read. And uh, it says now, in Hebrews chapter 4, Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, now he's talking about the rest, talking about the promised land, 
God would have not spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered God's great rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after the creation of the world. Now understand something. God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because it was finished. He, he drew a line and he established that his work was done and it was good. What about his work that's in Christ Jesus? The work of the cross. What did Jesus say? I, it's finished. Now, what do we have to do? We have to enter into that rest that says, okay, God, you said it, I believe it. You called me righteous, so I'm going to call myself righteous in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to get proud. I'm not going to be thinking I'm something special without God, but I've got to understand I am special with God. We're not without God. We're with God. We have his righteousness. We have that, and that's what gives us that access to God, that confidence to come in his, in, in his presence boldly. It says in verse 11, So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Well, how did they fail, or where were they disobedient? They wouldn't believe God. They wouldn't follow God. They wouldn't trust God. And see, God's plan, we, we re, if we reject God's plan for salvation, then we're rejecting that rest. We're rejecting coming into his presence, or I mean into his, the place of salvation, into his forgiveness, into that complete place that we can have the rest where we're not working for it anymore. You know, you go to work every day to live for God. You put on the new man. You put off the old. There is things still to do. But it's not a work of, and it's not a labor. It's not a stress. It's not a strain because God's giving us the ability to do it. He's given us that. He's made that available to us. Now notice verse 12. And this tells us how we, we begin to uh, be transformed. He says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one uh, whom He is the one to whom we are accountable. Now, now think about the Word of God being alive and powerful. What's it alive and powerful to do? It's alive and powerful to transform us. He wants us to be different. I watch this all the time. I love it. I see people come into the church, begin to listen to the Word, get their own Bible, begin to, to, to study, begin to read, begin to listen to teaching, begin to hear the Word and put it into practice, begin to grow in their spiritual maturity, and begin to understand that what God said about me is true. I'm going to believe it. I may not always feel like it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe it. It's not based on a feeling. The temptation is, is, I'll believe it when I see it. The temptation is, well, when I get to feeling like a really good Christian, then I'll, you know, feel good about myself. Don't worry about your feelings. Trust what God says and begin to pursue Him. When, when we walk in that, the other things begin to fall off. Then you begin to be, be checked by the Spirit. He'll check you. He'll kind of nudge you and, and bump you and get you your attention. 
And if it takes a lot, it'll be a lot more attention, right? But he'll get your attention so that you realize, wait a minute, that's not right. We're going to adjust. We're going to change. We're going to do better. Man, I tell you what, uh, I want us to allow the Word of God to transform us, the power of God's Word to transform us. The wonderful thing is that God never leaves us alone in the process of living in His rest that He provided. Challenges are to our faith walk come, but Jesus, our example, defeated them all, and He left us the power to walk in that victory. So uh, I, I want to make this statement, and I'll bring it in, uh, in in one of my points here in just a little bit as well. But intelligence can come quickly, but maturity takes time. I, I don't know who, I don't know where, I can't remember where I heard that statement. It was in something I was reading, some study that I was doing today. I'd give them credit if I can remember it or, or if I can figure out who it was. But think about this. Intelligence comes quickly. Do you know some people who are intelligent because they, they took a class or because they did some study, or they're intelligent because they, they figured some things out, but they're, they're not mature in it. Maturity comes through time. And you know, it, can't, it can only happen so fast. So our intelligence sometimes uh, will lim be limited, but that maturity, when we're mature, we're grown up spiritually, we'll quit being easily tempted or led astray by things that, once, that we once were. Now, how do we overcome in life, including temptation? And, and the first thing is this, uh, is to be full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit of God. And, and let, me, let, me, let me make this statement or, or add this to it, and not be ruled by our flesh. If we can, if we can learn to be led by our Spirit, the Spirit of God in us, and our Spirit on the inside, instead of by our flesh... Then we'll begin to walk in victory. And, and we'll look at Jesus' example in just a moment. Uh, in fact, we're going to go to two different scriptures. Go to Romans chapter 8. And then we're also going to go over here to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to look at how Jesus defeated the devil's temptations. Most of you have probably heard this. But I want you to see what was taking place. In fact, let's, let's hold your place if you're at Romans chapter 8. Hold your place in Romans chapter 8 and go to uh, Luke chapter 4. I'm out of order, Whitney, but you'll, you'll be able to follow me. I want us to, if I can get this thing to wake up and move up. Electronics are wonderful till they don't work right. Um, let's look at... Um, Chapter 4. Now, remember, Jesus was... We're going through Luke in the men's Bible study, so this is, this is where we will be in a couple of weeks. Um, or if we do like we do some, week, some days, it'll be a month. <laughs> but anyway, um, verse, verse 1 says of chapter 4, Luke chapter 4 says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness or in the wilderness depending on your translation. He was led in the wilderness, you know, while he was there, or he was led to the wilderness. I don't know which way it is. Doesn't really matter. He was in the wilderness. He was led by the Holy Spirit. All right, that, that works for me, all right? But here's the thing. Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist. Now, the question was posed in, in some, of, uh, uh, some of the discussion, some of the things I was reading, is why was Jesus baptized by John when John was baptizing for uh, commanding people to repent of their sin? Well, we know Jesus didn't sin. 
We know that he didn't go to be baptized because of that, but he went to demonstrate uh, that 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 everyone else was going to do ultimately, but also just to establish, I believe it's, it's because of his sin nature that he was born into, even though he had never sinned. We all, because of Adam and his body be, being a, a body here as a man, he would have had that nature without ever sinning. So he had to overcome the same things we do. That's, a, that's an important thing to, to remember. Even though he was all God and all man, he was required or he, or he had to or he chose to overface the same things but overcome them. So he's our perfect example. But he came full of the Holy Spirit and he returned and he was led into the wilderness, verse 2, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now Jesus ate nothing all that time. For 40 days he ate nothing and became very hungry. How many of you could go 40 days? I've done some fasts, some pretty long fasts, some 21-day some fasts. I've done some things where we ate nothing for a week or 14 days back a long time ago, uh, back in, in my early 20s or mid-20s. Uh, I haven't fasted complete food that long for a long time. But there's something about living a fasted life. And I can just tell you that one of the things that uh, will help us be full of the Holy Spirit and not led by our flesh is taking control of our flesh so that it doesn't rule us. You know, here's the thing. The, the more you can tell your flesh no, the more you lead it and it doesn't lead you. It's kind of like that little child, that little two-year-old child or three-year-old child. If that two- or three-year-old child gets to tell you what to do, you know, as grandpas and grandmas, you may say, uh, you may let them do that. But you probably didn't do that quite so much when they were, when they were your kids. If, if they would have been your kids, you would have said no. Uh, and I told them uh, one of the services, I, I think uh, the candlelight service, I, I said, you know, my, our, our yes was yes and our no was no. If we, t if we said no, that was, that was no. And so uh, we had to hold to that. And sometimes that was very difficult to do. But what, what we have to understand is that our flesh wants to rule. That's the way our nature is. That's our old sinful nature. It, it just wants to rule. It wants to eat everything. You know, it wants to eat. I mean, I'm, I'm working on the last. I got one little bit of fudge left. And then I'm back to not eating sweets, okay, and, and not letting my flesh rule. I'm telling you, you know, uh, uh, Sue's mother-in-law, tell on her, she was saying, well, you know, after I eat, I just think I have to have some sweets. I said, that's because you've trained yourself or you've allowed your sweet tooth to have control. Now, there's not every, I'm not saying, that, you know, beating anybody down for sin and, and, and sin, the sin of eating, or if sin was eating fudge, if it was, I need to really repent because I've been eating a lot of it the last three, two or three days. But here's, here's what I, here's what I want to say is, can we learn, if we learn, to dictate to our flesh a thing like that. Like, I love coffee in the morning. It, I usually fast coffee at some point through the year. I've done that for years. I'll cut off coffee for a week or so. Now, you get a headache. You kind of wean yourself down. You learn how to do that without. But I want to be able to tell myself, no, you don't rule. I rule by my spirit. I'm going to be led there. See, that's one way we kind of learn to condition ourselves to not just follow our flesh. So if I can do that, then maybe I learn to lead or control my flesh when it wants to get jealous or when it wants to be rude or when it wants to be angry and it wants to 
do other things, whatever else could lead to sin. And the more I do that and put that flesh down, the more I'm allowing my spirit man to lead. And then pretty soon it begins to lead. And what's it always going to do? Your born again spirit is always going to follow God. It's always going to want to do the Bible. It's the, it's the good voice, the right voice that you're going to hear. So now let's hold your place there in Luke and we'll turn over to Rome. We're going to come back there, but maybe if we run, don't run out of time. But let's, let's get over here to Romans chapter 8. And, and I want you to see that if in order to allow ourselves or train ourselves, mature ourselves into following our spirit, we need to be able to take God at his word and settle that this is how we're going to live. This Romans chapter 8 is so powerful, so important. Verse, let's look at verse number uh, 5 to start with, and then we'll back up. But in verse 5, it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never does, it never uh, did obey the, God's laws and never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature cannot please God. Now, verse 9, though, it talks about when we're born again, the born again one. Verse 9 says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And, and if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now, we ought to just ask the Lord, God, give me all that you have. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to do and live and be a witness and be all that I need to be. Help me to follow that, that Spirit, but, or the Holy Spirit. But he tells us there, he says, if you let your sinful nature rule, your, your mind is always going to be on the things of the flesh. And what, where's it going to take? It's going to take the easy route. It's going to take the critical route. It's going to take the doubt route. It's going to allow fear in. It's going to go all the places you don't want to go. But if we'll learn to follow uh, our spirit, we'll, we'll be much, uh, it'll be much different. Look at, let's look at verse uh, uh, 1 and uh, back up there and read this verse 1. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who have perfect church attendance, do an hour of Bible study, and no, I didn't say that. Now, I can tell you this, that when I have perfect church attendance and when I study the Bible an hour a day and I spend 30, to an hour, minute, 30 minutes or an hour in prayer, I, my life is better. It really is. But you don't earn the, the, the things that way. You benefit because of it. But he just by faith in the Word of God, it says there's now no, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So if we've made Jesus Lord, we belong to Christ Jesus. So he says there's now no condemnation for, the, for, for us. It means that condemnation it just means God's banishing judgment, his, his uh, separation, that judgment that would separate us from God. That means we can't be separated from God because we're his. So verse 2 says, and because you belong to him, notice this, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 
The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. But God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. That's why Jesus came as a man. And in that body, in Jesus' body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Well, you know, we have that available to us. It's been made available. Now, the struggle I used to have was I was like, yeah, but I still have some of those thoughts or I still have some of those, those things that, that, that demonstrate a sinful life. But as I begin to, to apply verses 5 through 8 and begin to think on good things and I begin to recognize God and quit letting my flesh rule me, and the more I begin to, so I begin to just pursue, God, I want to follow your spirit. I want to be led by you. I, I want to think on things that are good. So when, when negative thoughts come, well, I'm never going to have enough. How are we going to get through this one? That illness will do this, that sickness, that this, that whoop. We're going to be led that away, or we're going to, we're going to come back and stand on what God's Word says. But you know, as we wrap this up tonight, and I'm going to get to more of this. I uh, didn't get to the other points yet, but that's why we'll just come back next week. But you know, here's the thing. This right here is a big part of our ability to overcome not only temptation, but to walk in victory in all areas of life. You know, God's given us the power. In fact, he goes on down there in, verse, in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, and he talks about that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and dwells on the inside of us as believers. We ought to, all, we ought to constantly say, Lord God, I want, I want your power, the Holy Spirit, on the, working on the inside of me to give me a strength that I don't have, a wisdom I don't have, the, the, the patience I, I need, Give me the, the direction for and the ability to control my flesh, to be led by the Spirit of God. I mean, he'll make you better at everything you do. He'll make you better, not so you can be proud, but so you can be a blessing to others and so that you can demonstrate and bring glory to God of how God's working in your life. So it all begins with, uh, a lot of that begins with your choice. You know, what's wonderful about this message is it's coming right at the end of one year and the beginning of another. You know, the difference between January or uh, December 20, 31st and, and January 1st is really nothing. It's just another day. But in our minds, we can say, this is going to be a new year. How many of you are, now don't raise your hands, but how many of you have said, oh, I'm just so glad 2023 is over? Every, I hear that. I don't hear that as much, right? But, you know, some years, boy, I mean, you just hear that. And, and uh, uh, but do you, at the same time, do you have an idea and an expectation? Hey, 2024 is going to be great. I expect it to be great. I expected 2023 to be great. And we're just going to keep continue to expect those things. So train yourself to have that positive mentality and that, that, that strength that comes from the inside. And uh, so as we get ready to close out this year, going into the next, just be thinking about all the great things you want to see God do in 2024. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for your, your word. I thank you for this group of people that have been willing to, even after all the busyness of Christmas, they come out the day after. And Lord God, I praise you and I thank you that as we, as we listen to this word, which is, is, is uh, 
challenging for some, new for some, old hat for others. But Father, we all need to hear that, that we can walk above temptation. Temptation that would lead us to sin, temptation that would lead us to doubt, temptation that would cause us to look to our own natural resources or abilities instead of trusting you. All of those different things in different ways. Lord, help us to walk in victory in our lives just as Jesus did. And we give you praise that you're guiding and directing us in that walk. So, Lord, as we close out this year, I just ask you, that Father, people would have a, a heart and a, to expect you to do great things in 2024. And Lord, I just ask that you would be at work in, in and through our lives. God, I just praise you for the people as they leave, that they'll be blessed in all that they do. Lord, bless those that aren't or weren't able to be here. And Father, bring us all back in, uh, in health next week. And we give you honor, honor and praise and glory for it in Jesus' name.